welcome to the Marvel Monologues. This is Awesome Marvel, the host of today's show, tonight's show. Pennsylvania, Ryan Gavali. <laughs> Here I am, all the way from the great town of Bethlehem, to a place I've never been, and honestly wouldn't have been able to tell you what town it was if you asked me until right now. Mm. What town are we in, Ryan? I don't remember. I, I just know, told I know, okay. I know, I'm sorry. Oh, man. I know the town that we started in started with a P, yeah. Preston. You got it. It was Preston City. Preston, no, just Preston, Connecticut. Not according to the signs. Hey, you think it's Preston City? That's Preston what the sign City says. Was? I'm yeah. just saying what the I'm sign says. With you, man. Have you ever been to Preston before? Nope. Did you like it? You know, I, it was cool. I was surprised, honestly, when we drove out of the road. The first road we were on, mm-hmm. we were immediately to a main road, and in my head, we were in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Well, we were kind of in the middle mm. of nowhere, but we were really close to not the middle yeah. of nowhere. So. I feel like we but were... we were in Connecticut, so it's kind of... There's a lot of wilderness and just kind of boonies yeah. in between. Everywhere that's not buildings is trees. Yeah. The whole, like, a lot of the East Coast like that. The Northeast is... Yeah. yeah. Pennsylvania's like that. It's very colonial. It's <laughs> a word for it. Yeah. It kind of yeah. is, dude. Here, it, it says it was founded in like, or named in 1648 or something like that. What? On the, uh, the sign, that again, signs when Here, you're driving. Where we're, where we're at right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, not where we're at. Where we're at this morning. Preston. Yeah. Preston, Connecticut. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's a cool it's, spot yeah. that, that I've gotten to experience out there. It's a unique perspective, but... This time of year, the Northeast is all pretty dreary. It's like, even, yeah, even yeah. the good days, cloudy. and Yeah. There's a special appreciation I feel like you gotta have for it, because you know it's temporary, and it's yeah. like this. It's where it's trying to be winter, but it's not cold enough yet. Yeah. It's like, yeah, almost there. Yeah, it's just trying, you know? Peaking. Semi-peaking, but not... You know. Some would say half-chub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you describe it there. Okay, so... Anyways, if you're half chubbing in the Northeast, it's still a dreary day. I, I've been to Boston. I've been to all these really cool Northeast cities. I said just Boston because it's my favorite. But yeah, it's a good All one. these cool Northeast cities, and I've always had a good day, even though it's been dreary. It's been good weather, even though it's bad weather. Yeah. Or just subpar weather. Yeah. Just, the Northeast is a really cool... I'd say a part of town, it part is. of the country, you know, but it's uh, yeah, a really cool part it. of town because it's got that original old school aesthetic. Yeah, because it is. I mean, it's way, America in general is a really young country, but the East is the oldest part of it by far. And there's history and lives that have been lived here before people even made it out West, really, you know? Um, and where I'm from, like I'm from Bethlehem, and Nazareth was settled by 14 people. Mm. And the main, or not, it's not the main street of Nazareth anymore, but it was the main street of Nazareth at the time. They literally had a fight with the Native Americans defending this 14 group of people, which is really interesting to think about. It was just 14 people that left a large group of people, picked this random area, called it Nazareth, and now that's a town of 
you know, I don't know how many people, but quite a few thousand people. And it all started from these 14 people. And again, in the 1600s at some time. And that's a story that I read in a newspaper or some article clipped in my grandmother's garage. So I feel like it's a pretty good source. Right, right. It's unbiased, unbiased. She lives in NASA semi, too. Yeah. yeah. So and it's, it's like a I don't historic know. artifact. You like to think. Mm. But I'm just saying like that to, to kind of preface what I'm saying because I don't want it to be written in stone, you know? Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Yeah, I think that, man, there's some Native American controversy with America, how we've just kind of taken over the U.S. or the... Yeah. made this North America section our U.S. I mean, there's countless well, our, things. Well, we didn't, like, dude. What? Our yeah, ancestors man. did. You know, yeah, I did. Yeah. And I guess that's I not really, fair. Yeah, but it's, it's not I fair don't, to claim that because we, we didn't do that. We didn't no, have anything to do with it. No. But in hindsight, yeah. am I using the right word there? I think so. Oh, I'm just going to go with it. I know what you mean. hindsight, you know, yeah. you, you follow. <laughs> If you can think back, those are the people that kind of developed where we're at. Absolutely, they were. Something that, like, I think every single thing happens for a reason. I believe that entirely. And I think that certain things have to happen certain ways to lead to outcomes. And it's so unfortunate for the entire, like, huge populations of people because there's so much misfortune and then so, like, a weird balance that happens all over the world. Yeah, there is misfortune everywhere. Yeah, but there's a balance of, it's kind of like the equilibrium. Yeah. I don't know, I'm just kind of throwing that out there. Are you saying of good and bad? What's that sign? It's like... Yin-yang? Yeah, the yin and the yang. Yeah, good and bad. It's yeah, like you can't have bad. the good without the bad, and the you can't have the bad without the good. Yeah. And those are the colors supposed to represent. And they each have the small dot of each mm-hmm. other inside of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's true. I agree with it. But also, I think kind of going back, like I, I get it's just a point. Like every like the world's not pretty. It's not. It's not, and like people aren't pretty, and like we're messed up creatures. Yeah. And I think acknowledging that is like the only the only way you can deal with it and if you try to be critical of someone else like you if it's just a, what you what you're being critical of is a mirror of what is inside of you like right. what you're saying to that other person could be equally said to you and yep. it's like we're all imperfect beings and we all come from imperfect people and like yeah. no doubt humans have done terrible things but i don't think we should really focus on that and and pin it on each other rather just say okay like yeah the world's messed up but there's these really good things about it there's these really incredible aspects and that's what i would rather focus on you know and i guess really that's just all i'm trying to say yeah yeah but thinking forward then what if there's something that we're facing that we don't really know about now you know it's saying this and it could be huge and it could be towards a target yeah and you know that same thing could be said and you kind of want to avoid falling into that yeah so you're saying like it's not good to overlook the bad because something really bad could happen yeah and not necessarily that it could and you should be pessimistic about it but vigilant for it pessimism at all but i think that you should i I said i don't believe i just don't advocate for pessimism at all let me clarify (laughs) (laughs) i believe in it but i just don't you know what i mean all that oh this (laughs) this squeaky couch (laughs) 
<laughs> like I said, it's authentic, man. It's authentic. Let's scoot over here. But yeah, you don't want to fall into that mindset of thinking, yeah, it happened. It's not going to happen again. Just yeah. every day as usual. Because you want to pay your respect and pay your dues. Every morning yeah. when you wake up, be thankful that you're alive. I, th- I think thankfulness is such a huge part of everything, man. Yeah, it is. It's important. If you're not thankful for what you've got, how are you supposed to be thankful for anything else that you get? You I know, know and you won't be. to what you already have. Yeah. You won't be, so. And it's so easy to say that, and with myself, like, I find, I find myself, I say that all the time, but it's one thing to say it, and for me personally, I say it, and I practice it, but I practice it very mildly and very loosely, and I, tr- like, I strive for, and I feel like if you really mean that when you say it, what it is, is in every single day, in every moment that you can be, be thankful for what's going on in that moment, like, it's, it's one thing at the end of the day, and to be like, hmm, I'm thankful for one random thing, but it's another thing to really be invested in that and, and focus on everything that you have, little as it can be, and be thankful for that in the moment and truly feel that rather than just, for me, it's like, I just say, it. it's like something that I say to myself, but I don't really believe, I don't feel it when I say it, but I feel like if I more try to do it in smaller moments, um, I would actually feel the benefits of saying that, you know? Because it's like, I hear you say that, and I just want to be like, yeah, uh-huh. But it's like, dude, actually do that then. If you yeah. agree with that and you really think that's beneficial, do it. Yeah. And yeah. don't don't just say, mm-hmm, yeah, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, but actually follow through. And, mm-hmm. and, and do it in every moment. Like, yeah. do it especially in the small moments. Because if oh, you can appreciate so the small, the a really truly good moment to you will be so large and meaningful and powerful and it's like if you overlook all those small things those big things are going to happen and you have nothing to compare them to so you can just dismiss them as small and meaningless you know for me this is just true for me Mm. yeah i think honestly i mean i've i've had that happen every now and then when i realize i have like almost an epiphany where i'm like whoa i'm zoning out look at what i've what i've got i mean I find myself complaining about little things, everyday things, you know, things that everyone deals with. Bad customer service, whether it's at restaurants, I mean, online, there's so many different things. And everyone deals with everything every day, but you have to deal with it systematically and look at it as, here's here's a task that needs to be completed. Yeah. I've got to complete it. And it's just a checklist of things. Bam, bam, bam. And you want to, like, minimize that thing of to-do get all that stuff out of the way and that you have to do that emotionally just as much as you have to with work with your money savings yeah. i think that's so important and the thankfulness is something that if you don't, if you foundation your life off of that if every day you start up in the morning you're like oh yes <laughs> today is a new day oh, yeah. and even on those days where you're hung over where you're just you've got a lot of stuff to do high yeah. stress headache whatever it is you 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 whatever you got bad news or you woke up to bad news and you just have to shake it off and just all right we've yeah. got a to-do list let's check this thing off you know and get it oh, out yeah. of the way i think thankfulness is how you can start that and it's you'll never fail if you wake up thankful oh, yeah. and you have that checklist you'll never fail no, you you look at it like I've I've got this 
checklist of things to do that I want to check off in my life. Whatever, yeah. whatever it is, is different for everybody. Yeah, we're all thumbprints, you know. <laughs> but when you yeah. wake up thankful, you you really get the the mindset. Yeah, that's so important. to start the day, you gotta crush it. You know. Do you do you feel like you practice that every day? Yeah, it's and so what important. do you do? Like, I mean, what's what is that? What does that look like in actuality? Mm, to be thankful? Yeah, for you. What does that mean? I mean, you said you just gave up the example of like waking up in the morning. Do you? Because for me, like I've something I've played around with the idea of is trying to have a specific way that I wake up every single morning. Yeah. And over time, evolve it to that a version of what makes me feel what you described, like that powerfulness, that thankfulness, that excitement for the day, like. Mm. Do you have something that you do every day that, that does that for you? Or is it just a, a constant mindset that changes within the day? Or I definitely it? think it's a little bit of both. So yeah. physical activity is definitely linked to you know, mental activity. And if you oh, can yeah. get that balance where you have both physical activity and mental activity, something that challenges you both physically and mentally yeah. at the same time and you can progress forward, I think that that whole process of being thankful is something that's like a combination of the two yeah you know? and so you wake up you do a deep breath in through your nose and then when you can't anymore three more <laughs> seconds yeah and then hold it one two three and yeah. then Thank you for the actual demonstration. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Just clearing out your lungs and then yeah. looking at any natural light. Yeah. That's important. Looking through a window or going outside and just doing that outside yeah. and getting getting in touch with the earth. And then yeah. a hot shower is always nice. But you, know, you, get a, you get a time to soak it all in. And for me, I have my, my wife, Ashley. Absolutely incredible, man. Being married is coolest thing in the world. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Oh, I love it. Man. Yeah. I love Ashley so much, but yeah. waking up with Ashley every day is it's incredible. I yeah. can't even describe it, man. You'll understand one day, I'm sure. Yeah. Ryan Cavalli's single for all you ladies <laughs> listening. Find him on Tinder at, at Ryan Cavalli is crazy. Yep, it's a searchable device yeah. thing now, so. He looks like a Yeti. <laughs> uh, pretty much, dude. Yeah, pretty man, much. growing your hair out. Uh, yeah. What's, what's that will, the, the honest inspiration is Yeti. Ponytail? No. Yeah. So what will happen is the first day I wake up okay. and my hair annoys me, mm-hmm. it'll get cut. Yeah, eyebrows too. Dude, if you shave your mustache and your beard, you have to shave your eyebrows. Come is that on, how it goes? Yeah, if you're going to shave it, you just... All of it. Yeah? Honestly, you know, I can say no matter what, I'm not going to shave my eyebrows. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> They're just not getting shaved. What I was going to suggest was just using Nair. Mm, great. Yeah, case. that's a great idea. <laughs> Instead of shampoo, you just rub it all over your face wash, you know, your hair. Because who wants eyelashes? Yeah. Or ear hair, man. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I, no, one would, no one would feel uncomfortable being around me. No, no, nobody would feel comfortable being around me. Nope. As, as nice as I pretend to be, I would struggle to be friends with well, that as person. as nice as you were, man. I mean, oh, that would just... Yeah, it's, that puts people in a tough situation. Yeah, but especially about, your friends, dude. If if you did that, I would really question how what, we interacted. <laughs> yeah, every yeah, that's what the 
<laughs> entire, that's that's something that's important. Oh. Facial expressions. You learn those when you travel. Yeah. I think that that that's why you learn when you travel because you see different facial expressions where people you learn people. On, yeah, and you see people. You learn people that you've never even fathomed. Yeah. About. And there's still so many people that I mean, there's seven and a half, seven billion of us here. I doubt they're counting right. There's probably nine. <laughs> I mean, honestly, how are you gonna tell me? Can uh, how do you even count to seven billion? Like that I takes know, a committed amount of time. You'd have to have, uh, yeah, a, a pencil and at least a notebook. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you need. You ever watch the birth ticker online? No. It's crazy. There's a birth and death ticker, yeah. which is really an interesting thing, that especially interesting. that I was shown it in like fifth grade. I remember just like on the 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 so thing that birth is just like death is just it's one number so it's one fixed number and it's you know it's doing the amount of people that are dying and the amount of people that are being born yeah yeah so they both count up well I'll we'll check it out man this uh this podcast is a no phone zone so we're not <laughs> we don't have Jamie it won't be googling we don't have a laptop we're not doing that and uh, yeah so Mary holidays to y'all merry holidays yeah how are you gonna yeah then we're coming up on thanksgiving and that's why we're talking about what we're thankful for and uh, that's coincidental actually you think so i didn't it not it wasn't a conscious effort by me well okay dude good on you (laughs) (laughs) we're but we are very thankful and the holidays oh man this is i'm so thankful the upcoming holidays thank you to anyone that's listening mainly to hear ryan our guest speaker, who is uh, all the way from Gunnison, Crested Butte, Crested Butte, Colorado. Crested Butte's where I live right now. Gunny's real close, so yeah. Gunny. Gunny's a great place. I want to say that. I want. I love Gunny, but yeah. Crested Butte's a little bit cooler, and the mountains right there. Can I? I know I've told you before, but can I tell you a quick synopsis of the first time I was in Crested Butte? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> listen to this. Oh, it's a great story every time, dude. It. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a really fun, monumental experience. <laughs> I was in uh, Portland, Oregon at the time, working yeah. in my... I was living in southeast Portland. Not like the greatest spot, but I had roommates that were pretty chill. Um, we were in kind of like a very active part of Portland. So like... Active? You had walkers okay. nearby, yeah. you know, like it was lit. I remember I was in a house and I was... We were up on 82nd Division, so that's where we were living. I lived there for like a summer between when I was finishing up school, my first two years of college in Portland, and then I was going to start at Eastern Washington University. So that's summer in between, is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like sophomore going to junior year of college. Yeah. Um, we can check the facts on that issue. <laughs> Google it if you need to. Yeah. But anyways, um, it, it was a couple years after high school, and I was a tour guide on a jet boat yeah. that went on a river cruise through downtown Portland. We went on the Willamette River through downtown Portland, and then out to the Columbia Gorge yeah. on the Columbia River. I'm just falling into the <laughs> with my fingers. I gotcha. <laughs> so and that was for your school, right? No. No? No. Uh, this was, so this was my job. Just yeah. It was for the Portland Spirit. We had uh, six 
six boats on our fleet. This okay. was the one that I mainly started working on. Yeah. I started on like a, a big dinner cruise boat, yeah. which was a incredible job, man. So much fun. I had so much fun. What are you doing? What's people. your job looking like? So are you doing like a I was just a busser. Oh, okay. But then I got moved up to the jet boat. Yeah. And this was like my first, probably not my first summer, but my first summer where it was like just. I, had, I knew what I was doing. Yeah. I knew the speed. You had it down. Because you had to have like a three, well, longer than three hour, but three hours straight talking of history. And was it your, could it be yours or was it a, like a routine that was taught to you? Uh, both and. They trained both me and showed me some things and taught yeah. me some stuff, but was I your stage. things and I would hike. We're going down this, uh, I mean, in Portland, because I had lived there for like three years, two, three years at this point, I... I had known the downtown area, and I had some stories yeah. where I was running around drunk in downtown, <laughs> partying, sneaking into clubs. I had a fake ID at the time, which, in a past life, I had a fake ID, I should say. <laughs> just, just. Your case. other life. Yeah, my other life. Yeah, we all got other lives. Yeah, I think we do. But anyways, this was, um, like, I, I knew my way around Portland, so I could kind of spice up the stories. But we would leave downtown 8 a.m. I know I'm super sidetracked, but follow me. <laughs> I'm following you, dude. I'm following you, Because I really, oh, man. We'd leave downtown at 8 a.m. with this crew of, like, 30 people. Me and this other guy were just taking this boat. Yeah. And this other guy was super cool, but super quirky. His name was Chris Schmokel. And you're not driving, or are you? No, I was a narrator. Yeah, I talk okay. The but it's just you and the driver? Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. To the Portland spirit, heart of the gorge, <laughs> jet boat tour. That's like, did you give it that uh, really? Dude, I get him live. It was like seven a.m. I was two Red Bulls okay. deep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I did eat Is a it? lot of junk and I drank a ton of energy drinks back then. So yeah. I'd be super hyped up. I'm like, let's go. I would do push-ups and pull-ups and wait, not in front. Uh -oh. of <laughs> right before they got on like, oh, the cruise, dude, I'd get all okay. hyped, you know, so I could yeah. get them hyped. And we would go on a cruise all the way until 3.30. We'd go yeah. all the way out to the gorge. We'd stop for lunch, like 40, 50 miles downriver, or upriver, rather. And we'd pass all these waterfalls, and we could see Mount Hood and all this stuff. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was a really cool experience, the Portland Spirit yeah. River Cruise, Heart of the Gorge. Any of those cruises are Awesome. And this is just you and the driver of the jet boat yeah. that are on the boat? Yeah. How many people are you taking? We usually had a packs of like 40. Really? Yeah. It's like Dude, 40. you were serving 40 people lunches with two dudes? Uh, no, it was 40 foot. We'd take 35, oh, 35 oh. people. 35, okay. 35. But still, 35 people for two people? On a 40 foot boat. I mix up my numbers. You're serving them all uh, lunch. 30. That's a lot. No, no, no. We weren't serving them lunch. So uh, we had... You'd stop Cascade for lunch, lunch. lunch somewhere? Cascade Locks is a spot all, like, halfway up the Columbia yeah. River in the gorge, and we own that. Oh, okay. And there was also a stern wheeler. The Portland Spirit, when I say we had a stern wheeler, was yeah. a huge dinner cruise boat. Yeah. And they would do tours up there, but there were locks, and we'd come up the locks and that river and everything and drop them off. They'd eat there. Okay. It was, anyways, this epic job yeah. in Portland. I was just curious, like, what the actual guy was like, you know? Yeah, but it was fun. Yeah. It was a monumental part of my life. Oh, yeah. But after that, not after that, but after a long day of working, I got 
back to the downtown Portland at like eight and we were shutting the thing and people had called me and said I had won a contest. And they were like, Hey, you won a contest? I'm like, yeah, whatever and then I actually listened to it and yeah. I called them back and figured out that like I'm I'm telling the story wrong. I I kind of heard something about it and then called them back and got in touch with them the next day when I was at work out in the gorge. Yeah. And they explained, like, no, we're flying you and a friend out to Gunnison, Colorado. And had you entered for this? I guess. I was at a bar, and they were, like, people came up to me and said, hey, you want a free beer? I say people. It was chicks and, like, their Bud Light stuff. Yeah, they're... Bud Light reps. Yeah, okay. Um, free Very beer. convincing women. I was, I think I was, I think I was 21 at that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Had to be. I'm, <laughs> it makes those times up. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think I was yeah. twenty-one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And anyways, I entered into a contest about like uh, go to a go to a town for Bud Light to be in their next commercial. It was called Whatever Town USA. Yeah. And it was. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing at the time necessarily. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to say no, but I didn't acknowledge the significance of it. But anyways, I got flown out to Gunnison, Colorado. Took out my roommate. It was kind of crazy. I didn't really know what was going on, but apparently I ruptured my spleen on the way there. That's what I mean. I don't know what was going on. Yeah. But we had we had flown out to Colorado for this crazy event and we showed up and there were a thousand people that they had flown out from all over the country and they yeah. flew us out on a private jet that set Bud Light on the side and they were giving us all these beers Uh-oh. and there were a bunch of people just partying on the way there Yeah. and when we got there they gave us this hotel and it was just it was a pretty cool event it sounds incredible know, it, I mean you live there man I know and it I didn't like I I'm, when I started, you told me the story, and I started living there, and I didn't connect the dots that it was really there. It was and there. I remember hearing about whatever USA on a commercial, mm. and thinking like that. No way, that's a real town. Like no way, they really rented a town. Like there's no town that would let that happen. They did. And then I know, <laughs> and now I live in Crested Butte, and when I could, when I finally. I, you told me, we sent now talk about the story again, and I finally realized, like, oh, shit, that was actually here. Like, that was in Crescent <laughs> Butte, and I, then it was the first time that I was like, oh, this makes sense. Like, yeah. this is a city that would actually let that happen, yeah. which is incredible. And yeah. it's incredible that it, I think it's amazing that that event took place, and even oh. that you went to it is mind-boggling to me, because that's one of those things, it's like, no thing. one actually wins that you know, you yeah. know? It so few people. huge party man oh, cool. yeah. I, I wish that I could take everyone I wish that do I could videos pro, I think I have some GoPro videos you know yeah. in the, you know deep in the marble vault deep <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think I got but they're some. there yeah I think so yeah, yeah. but um, yeah man it was, it was a crazy event because we had these wristbands that they gave us when we arrived and they said anywhere that you go in the town this will get you free whatever you want because the whole premise of this event was whatever you want, like, do whatever, it's whatever, you know? I'm up for whatever. Whatever you oh got, my. we're doing. And they made it very seductive and very, like, there was a lot of entertainment there. Yeah. 
I I saw Casey and the Sunshine Band. Yeah. Oh, How Casey far did that entertainment go? What do you mean? You know what I mean. Um, for me, not so. No, not, not so for you. Much. But what was available via Bud Light? Did they get down and dirty with it? I would definitely say like anything and everything you would be looking for, it was there. It's available. And yeah, but it was I mean, the people that brought it. I'm curious, like how far so Bud Light took it. So they closed off the town to all the locals. Everyone that was working was working for Bud Light. Really? Yeah. So they, you had a hotel room, and you had this app that you downloaded on your phone. It was a Seven Eleven app, right? And you could order anything from Seven Eleven, anything that Seven Eleven carries. All of it's free, and it'll be in your room within. Five minutes of ordering max probably like two minutes to be honest really not just that but the people that were working that were all girls and they were all there they were in this 7-eleven outfit but it was like very skimpy of course yeah it was weird but yeah that's that's what i mean that's incredible that that actually took place i ordered a bunch of food pizza and everything. yeah of course you got it. a lot but yeah an endless beer it was a crazy event, man. I didn't even, I didn't even really get to enjoy it because my spleen had ruptured and that really did me in. Yeah, I imagine it wouldn't be fun after that. Yeah, well, I shouldn't say ruptured. It started to hemorrhage, probably ruptured. Unbeknownst to you, correct? Yeah, I had no idea what yeah. was going on, man. I showed up and I started puking that night, and my friend was going out, and I was just so sick. Yeah, I was so sick. I had never been that sick in my life, and. I couldn't do anything about it, and I thought it was just, I had eaten some bad food or something, yeah. but it was really, really gnarly. Yeah, that is. But, Crested Butte was incredible, man. <laughs> I was a skeel to is. the top, and I, yeah. oh, there were people mountain biking, I wish I could go back. Yeah. Crested. an oxygen mask. <laughs> Dude, I'll catch one for you. Yeah, you want yeah. They sell a lot of oxygen in Colorado, man. Every gas station has literal bottles of oxygen. No way. Yes. Well, I'll need it. I'll need a lot of it. It's set up for people like you, man. We're looking out. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to Colorado <laughs> yeah. people. So you think you'll, you'll live there? I'll live there for a while. Honestly, yeah. you know, I don't... It's like... I wonder how long Crested Butte will stay the way I love it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm not connected to it in a way that I'm going to stay through, stay in it through thick and and thin like i'm gonna stay there as long as i still love it and want to be there yeah and you know i don't know i don't know when that'll end but Mm -hmm. you know this is my second year there and this year i'll spend probably nine out of the 12 months in crested butte so okay it's definitely where i live primarily cool nice i love it dude. it's beautiful it's a beautiful place even the flight in is incredible yeah, I but can't say I've ever flew in. Ryan Cavall, you, you've never flown in. Nope. Right? You drove here? No, I've flown, I've, yeah, so I've driven. Every time I've come to Colorado, I've driven. I'll be flying back for the first time um, when I fly back. In a couple here. weeks. No, in a couple days, like a week. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you get a window seat. Yeah, I always get a window seat. Yeah, make sure you have a window seat for this one because you definitely. But I'm flying into Denver, not Gunnison. What? And you're going to drive to Gunnison? I'm going to take a bus. Whoa. Gunnison's way more expensive to fly into. I'm not getting in private jet like you did. 
<laughs> the Bud Light Jet. That yeah. was a lit party. I'm sure it was. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, anyways, Ryan, let's talk about how I first met you, man. And yeah. And I want to, I want to get a little bit more backstory on you. Let's okay. Let's give this a little bit more direction. Okay. We are, we are <laughs> I think it's good to talk. Of, Thirty minutes of bullshit. I got an idea. <laughs> okay, so I met Ryan up in Alaska. Yeah. I showed up. In Juneau. In Juneau, Alaska. Incredible place. Yeah, it was an incredible place, man. Yeah. I really got a last-minute opportunity. I was working a job that I I liked it, but I was open to opportunities, and I wanted to do something else. So I got this uh, opportunity and just kind of said, full send, let's do it. Yeah. And I had just moved to Charlotte and asked Ashley to marry me. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> A lot of people were like, wait, what? You're yeah. just in Alaska? Yeah. And I bold to move, Alaska. I gotta say. It was a bold move, but it's what set my career in the right path. Oh, yeah. And I'm so, so, one of those things that I'm so thankful oh, for. Yeah. At the time, I was like, should I be doing this? Should I stay? Should I go back? And all these thoughts. Yeah. But something in my head just said, you gotta take this opportunity. And so I told my boss, and she was like, go. You gotta do it. Really? That's awesome. <laughs> she was usually, you know, I was, I was like, I want to put in my two weeks, but at the same time, I just, I think I'm out. I'm over it. Yeah. I don't want to work a job. I want to have more control. She's like, cool. We'll take care of it. Don't worry. Yeah. That's that was really so nice cool. of her. Yeah, yeah, man. I've given her a lot of business because oh, of yeah. that. You know. I was gonna say that shows your respect for you. Yeah. I was like, thank you, and I just peaced out to Alaska. Yeah. It was the scariest thing in my life, man. On yeah. the way there, I went to L.A. And flight got delayed. I got really, like, comfortable with all these people who were in L.A. Yeah. And they were on the same flight as me. And they were all corporate people. And L.A. It was cool. We were, uh, we were partying at the bar. Just really? Like, Come on. The flight got delayed <laughs> another hour. But That's awesome. That took us to Seattle. Yeah. And then Seattle... I couldn't catch a flight to Juno until the next day. Really? So because oh, because you were delayed. Yeah, they yeah. put me in a hotel. I met up with my buddy, and they had because of all these delays, they gave me like nine airplane shots for free, and I just kept them in my backpack. That's a good way to. And they gave me a ton of drinks, a ton of food, just yeah. for like here. Do they pay for your hotel? Yep, paid yeah. for my hotel, That's paid all for you my ride, everything, and and it made it really comfortable. But that's awesome. Blew up the next day and I met this dude on the flight and I was like, dude, let's uh, crack open some whiskey. And he was he was <laughs> on an adventure and I was on an adventure. We had yeah. a great time and it was the most incredible flight I had ever been on, man. Just flying it up. It is mind-blowing. From Seattle to Juneau was beautiful. Yeah. You see so many incredible mountains. The entire way. It's it's snow-covered mountains the entire way. <laughs> the entire way. entire way. And on a blue bluebird day. Yeah. Anyways, I fly up, and um, we land in Juneau, and I call up the dude who was my main point of contact, Dustin. Dustin, I'm yeah. Like, hey, Dustin, uh, I'm at the airport. He's like, all right, man, I'll pick you up in like a half hour or so. Yeah. I got some stuff to do. And I was like, all right. What? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> <An> hour? He's <laughs> like, all right, man, I'll uh, talk to you later. I'll yeah. just get an Uber to wherever you're at or whatever. And In reality, you could have walked. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, now looking back, but... That's the cool thing about Juno, dude. You can literally land in the airport and 
walk out of the airport and be hiking in 30 minutes. Yeah, 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 I agree. You'd be on Thunder Mountain in 30 Not minutes, Not even 30 dude. minutes, no. dude. No, just being generous, man. Some people walk slow. I think, I believe that you could, if you landed at night in Juneau, you could walk out with a backpack, and within 10 minutes, there might be a possibility of you seeing a bear. Oh, probably, most well, likely. Like more like five, you know? Yeah. It's, anyways... Uh, airport was sick. Juno was cool. Juno's real cool. Juno's real cool. So I, I landed in Juno. This guy picked me up, introduced me to the house. I got to this place. All these raft guides, dirty, crusty classic raft guides. Guys were at the All end living of in... their season. Are you? So at, they were did, just you, like you didn't know grandma's, did you? Yeah, I knew grandma's. Oh, okay. you did. There. It was so, still there. Grandma's house, legendary spot. Apparently. But that's classic raft guide. Like it was, yeah. it was seven dudes living in one house, seven yeah. raft guides. Yeah, so that's so what you walk into, which is and as we're just at my grandma's house right now too. You, oh, coincidence! Yeah. That's it, oh, Grandma's house. <laughs> Anyways, grandma's house was this legendary, legendary raft guide spot in Juneau, Alaska. Yeah. And when I moved there, it was the last day. You guys were, or they were emptying it out, so it was a... Do you know why? Yeah, you guys got kicked out. Yeah. yeah. Destroyed the place. <laughs> Which, dude, how can you expect anything other than destruction to put seven 20-year-old raft guides, male raft guides, in the same house? What's supposed to happen? Mm-hmm. You tell me, honestly. Mm-hmm. Did you think? I, I, I mean, I didn't put them there, but I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm bitter if you can't tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sucks that they did that to you guys. But I showed up at the end of the season. It was great. All these raft guides had been dealing with all this shit from ATA, which was in retrospect, it is a cool company. ATA. Good really people. Cool. Some good people work for it. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a cool company, man. Yeah. It's a huge company. Yeah. It's pretty, the idea, the concept of it is pretty awesome. But anyways, ATA was... <laughs> Your words, not mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're right. I only worked there for a month. Yeah. there for a while. I love Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> love travel, love adventures. <laughs> All right, man. Well, ATA was where we met. Yeah. And... Alaska was just so cool. We were riding bikes everywhere and all that. We had some good times. Yeah. We, uh, between the days of work, we w- we worked really hard. There were a lot of us, but we all it wasn't really hard work. It was more like for you, dude. For you, <laughs> you're taking <laughs> dude, pictures, <shit. laughs> yeah, dude. Your biggest concern is are you gonna run into a bear walking to your tree? Yeah, and I'm surprised I didn't. You I never did. Never once. Do you, right? Yeah. Well, I really so I heard bears and I came face to face with them, but I didn't actually see them. They just saw me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was like, probably a squirrel. You know? <laughs> They're loud out in Juno. Like I come up to a bush and I can hear something rustling. <laughs> yeah, you stay back, bear. <laughs> then, yeah, I always hear them run away. Yeah, and then you just yeah. Out back in the bushes. But we saw the northern lights. Yeah, oh which you got awesome pictures of, which oh, it's I incredible. Wish I could go back, man. I, I got some you can. lenses. You can. I'm going to. But, but I want to is... bring little dude. Oh, yeah, oh, bring him. For those who don't know, I'm expecting a little guy. Oh, dude. A little which baby is... boy. Really? And it's about to be real. It is real. I mean, well, he, isn't he due relatively soon? Relatively, yeah. 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 I would say, yeah, but it's about to happen, you know? It's about to go 
down. It's about to go down. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I think it's uh, incredible, dude. Me I'm excited too, for you. Oh, me too. But I definitely want to take Alaska. I want to As you should. All these places I want to take. You should raise them in Alaska, dude. I'll fund you if you build a cabin in Alaska. Yeah, you give me this... 50 grand. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll help out with 50. that. T- I'd build a tiny home. And yeah. I wouldn't live there, but I'd go visit it. Yeah, this kid, you know. 50 grand, man, shake on it. <laughs> he said it. Oh, Ryan Cavalli just shook on 50K. Yeah, dude. You better not. You better not break that, man. Hey, yeah, dude. But it has to. You It'll can, be over time. How about this, man? If you budget a cabin that you'll build for 50 grand in Alaska, deal. You'll build it for free. Hey, dude. <laughs> Reality, I'm just uh, out here looking out for your kid, hoping for him to be a future savage. As you should. And I'm trying to encourage you to raise him where he'll become a savage. (laughs) There is a good spot. Get that pen. Get it with nunchucks. Dude, do you you know who Abib is from the UFC? No, I don't think so. Okay, he's just this incredible fighter. Incredible fighter. Moral story is there's a video of him online wrestling a bear at like six years old. So if you that's yeah, I mean that's what I'm trying to create your kid to be. Oh, so you're saying I should raise him with the bears? It's yeah. I mean it's an option. All right. So Ryan Cavalli is gonna build a cabin for us to go visit. Otherwise, it will be an Airbnb. Y'all are welcome (laughs) to stay. In the tundra. In the tundra. No, we'll do it in Juneau, man. Yeah. It'll be, that'd be a good spot. One of those downtown spots. I would like a little fish shack. Yeah. In, in like uh, southeast. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Juneau's but Juno's incredible, dude. And yeah, mostly why times. it's incredible is how you can take advantage of the wilderness so quickly. Yeah. Like, we could, we were camping on a beach where you can't see a house, and you're staring at mountains that come six, seven, thousand vertical feet straight out of the ocean that are covered in snow completely and it's like you're camping having a fire couldn't be more incredible incredible stars northern light like it's it's everything you think alaska is and it's more than you could anticipate yeah i'm just a big advocate for juno yeah man me too that was some incredible times yeah and we we took advantage of it it was the last month of the season so we really like Every chance we got. There was extra motivation. We'd go camp out on the beaches. We'd go camp in the woods, have fires, have parties, (laughs) go hike mountains, go see the stars, the northern lights. Slingshot grass. But let's talk about the time that we went to the glacier. So that was like the end of... The Mendenhall Glacier. The Mendenhall. Send the Mendy. <laughs> yeah, you and Morgan rafted that river when it was super high water on that little two. Oh, yeah. Dingo. A lot of people have. Yeah, that was cool. That, that was, was cool. Fun. But you guys almost died. No. No. <laughs> no but I mean, was, we were in the water. It was, it was just really just, cold water. Yeah, well. it's for sure. I mean, it's, it's literally... The cool thing about that river is it's essentially just a melt puddle from the Mendenhall Glacier. Yeah, because yeah. the Mendenhall Glacier is this giant valley glacier that's just pouring out from the valley yeah. onto the valley floor. And as it melts, obviously that water's going to go to yeah. the ocean and the ocean's right there. So that melt has now become so consistent and so much that it's a full-blown river yeah. the entire summer and there's a wow. giant lake at the mouth of it yeah um, yeah it's crazy giant. to think that that much water is coming from the glacier uh just melting feed and yes just melting and just ending mm-hmm. into a lake 
and a river that's just constantly flowing and has been constantly flowing for hundreds of years. Yeah, it's old. Um, but old. there's that much water that's coming off that glacier. Yeah. Anyways, we went under the glacier one time. Which what? I don't know if they're there anymore. I'm interested, man. I think they've melted away, which is, they were a fixture. Like, the trail we went on is a trail called the Mendenhall Glacier Ice Caves Trail. Like, right. that's what it's purposely there for. It's been yeah. there for a while. And I think in the last year or two, the ice caves are gone. Because oh. they, I went to the ice caves one more time in the beginning of the year and the ice caves that we went into was a separate ice cave from the one that I went into and the one that I had went into had melted mm. and it was a hundred days earlier so an Whoa. entire cave that I was in had melted within a hundred days yeah. and a complete I, I'm sure this wasn't a completely new cave I'm sure it was just another cave that I didn't see or yeah. no actually sorry what it was was that I went into the cave, but I only went into this point that there was a waterfall because I didn't want to go down the waterfall. Um, and the next time that we came to the ice cave, the ice cave had melted past that waterfall completely so we oh. could walk completely around the waterfall yeah. and go down. So yeah. the cave that we went into was the, the half of the cave that I didn't go into because I couldn't get to it. Yeah. But there's still that significant chunk. I mean, I'm talking like... So you got to see it change more. yeah and i have a picture a hundred days apart taken with my phone yeah and you can visibly see with your eyes the difference and the change and so it's it doesn't incredible. grow over the winter right? no it doesn't it doesn't it's grow continually shrinking yeah it that stays sucks, stagnant man. in the winter because a glacier has to be healthy like a human has to be healthy so the mendenhall glacier isn't a healthy glacier so in the in the winter when it gets snow it's not receptive to turning that snow into ice and that snow is just going to melt away in the in the spring and in the summertime because snow doesn't really matter to a glacier glacial ice matters to a glacier and it takes time for it to turn snow into, into ice. Ice. Yeah. yeah and it needs to be snow that's going to stay so the snow that comes in the winter has to stay forever like it can't all melt that snow won't add anything to it it could snow a thousand feet this winter and if that snow doesn't stick around through the spring the summer it's absolutely meaningless to the health of the glacier yeah and then in the summer it might actually accelerate melting yeah, I mean, it's... You know, the water that melts on top. Oh, yeah. Go through and break it down. And that's a huge factor with it now is... And that's why the ice caves exist, because water drips through the glacier, mm. hits the rock, and then the glacier melts up from the rock, and the water flows underneath it. And so it becomes... There's this separation between the rock and the base of the glacier, which turn into ice caves, you mm -hmm. know? Which are really cool, but they're not good for the glacier, because that's how pieces break off. And once the piece breaks off and falls into the lake, it's as good as dead. Yeah, and the crazy thing when you walk through the ice caves is you just hear up above you... Which isn't all constant... And then you hear all the water, and you hear it's like thunder. Oh, yeah. Because the glacier is just adjusting and kind of cracking here. Yeah. And it's massive, massive ice structure. Oh, yeah. It's almost like a living thing. It is totally and a living thing. You go up thing. and you touch the wall, and you're like, oh, and you can feel it. Yeah. And that cold, oh, yeah, the cold air, and it's just, oh, my gosh, man, it's incredible. Yeah, it is. It's totally a living thing, just the same as a forest. Yeah, but our friend that brought us up there, Morgan, he was one of our roommates. He uh, <laughs> he was like kind of our guide 
I don't know. We were we were doing this hike. It was kind of a rainy. I, I rainy feel like that's day. A, dude. You, I feel like we were just hiking. Yeah, but he he definitely knew the trail, and he was like, "Oh yeah," and then he left halfway through it. As Gets a call we, from his uncle to go fishing. I think. Yeah, fishing or dinner, but he was like, "Hey guys, uh, I'm gonna peace out." Right as we got to the glacier and went under it, and he just there goes Morgan. Back yeah. up the hill and just, and we were just <laughs> hanging out, slingshotting that thing. That was such a cool glacier experience, yeah. man. We had so much fun. We hung out there for a while. I feel like we should say how it ended, though. So how it ended when we started well, no, walking the, back from the how we left the actual ice cave. What do you mean, dude? So we're in the ice cave, and you hear the entire time movement, and you hear like settling. I would say yeah. describe it as like you hear the glacier settling, but we heard a significant crack while we were in there. Mm. And if I you like, oh, you remember that? Yeah, dude. <laughs> I, it was a very specific crack, and I and my heart was not having it because yeah. in my mind, like prior to that, I'd be like, oh, if you hear a crack, no big deal. But when you're in that ice cave and you realize that there is just ice that you can't compre- even comprehend how heavy it is above Dude, you and no, it does crack and yeah. it does fall and All you just time. heard a crack you're like why well, don't need to do this <laughs> <Get out of laughs> yeah. which I regretted though because we didn't go back in after and I wish I went back in because it truly it's a that like so that it's gone it's gone now and it's yeah it was absolutely magical you know and it's such it was such a cool incredible experience like you described it like you feel that glacier in a way that is very palatable yeah we had to run out of there when it started <laughs> started like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah. get out and we come out to there's a there's a exit and an exit's probably 10 feet wide yeah. and on the left of it there's a giant chunk of ice that's broken off legs. and it's falling fall. no the one yeah. that's falling there's yeah. already one on the ground yeah but remember there's also that thumbnail ready about to fall at some point like, yeah. even after we got out we had to get out further to realize that's a huge piece of ice that could ready to go yeah. yeah exactly that's scary stuff yeah, but it is. was so cool man risk yeah, versus reward totally worth it Oh yeah. Travel to experience. Yeah, I mean, if you die like that, like I'm sorry, that is probably supposed to happen. What are the odds? I mean, if you die like that, it wouldn't even be a, a bad death. Like, I mean, yeah, it would. Oh, suck. it would if you just your legs got caught. Oh, that would really suck. Yeah. Do you try? You got to try to get out, right? But that's what you're risking. Dude, nobody's gonna come get you. No, you're gonna get think eaten about by that. a bear. You're, you're gonna, gonna get eaten alive by a black bear. You think a black bear is gonna come in there? A hundred percent, dude. They go into the glaciers. Oh, there's literally glacier bears. There's a glacier Take bear in. I'm not joking. They're black bears. They're black bears, but they yeah. spend so much time on the glacier that they get glacial silt in their fur. Yeah. I swear to you. I swear <laughs> to God. Yeah. I'm not joking. You, okay. you, there's there's a glacier bear in the Mendenhall Visitor Center. It's a bear that's grayish tint. Yeah, I also heard there were orcas up in uh, Mendenhall. Mendenhall. Dude, all right, don't believe me. Don't believe me. <laughs> no, you can. I, do you, you think I, glacier bears they go in there? What do they, What do they eat in the glacier? I mean, what they're not the living there nonstop. There is. There's. There's a little tiny life forms. There's not anything very large, but there's definitely bacteria and. You know, I don't know how deep it goes you into the living. Bears go no, into but the no, 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 no. They don't. What? They're not kind living. Ex- they're not. They're not <laughs> living exclusively on the glacier. Vegan bears. <laughs> <laughs> this is no. This is not vegan bears that live in the glacier. <laughs> they frequent the glacier and they travel on the glacier and they definitely spend time on the glacier, but they do not 
only live on the glacier. You think if some glacier cracked, some dude was stuck in there, the people were like, can't get in there. The bear's like, fuck it, I'll get it. And he goes in. 100% there. he's eating you, dude. 100%. Yeah, I believe if it was your legs were stuck, it's you versus bear. Dude. Yeah, no, it's but it's not. Adventure. It's not you versus bear. Like, the bear's just gonna eat you. You're not. What are you gonna do with your fists? Nothing. Yeah, it's just gonna eat you. Yeah. But dude, literally, bears' favorite food in the springtime is frozen bighorn sheep and mountain goats that fell off of cliffs or were taken by avalanches in the winter time. Oh, really? So they they love. They're gonna love you. That's gonna be yeah. the greatest thing to them. They're gonna yeah. think it's great. Maybe they'll wait for you to die. They probably won't kill you. They'll just wait. They'll yeah. check on you every night. Yeah. And the night you die, they'll eat you. Yeah, it's like, oh, get you. Yeah. I, I'd like to think that, but at the same time... Bear might be, be hungry. What if, like, I, I just see it where... <laughs> I see a Family Guy cartoon where a guy's stuck, and he's, he's like, come on, Bear, just get it over with. And he comes in, he's like, how you doing? I'm not going to... No, no. <laughs> not yet. Hey, man, I'm not like that. Um, I, I wish there was something I could do. And he walks off. I'll be back tomorrow. Yeah. And then he comes back. Bear, please, just yeah. do it. I can't move. And then the bear's like, mm, No sympathy. I'm not, I'm not really... I'm, no, I'm not going to do that. And then yeah. two days later, you're just not moving. The bear's like, oh, yeah. I might take a little <laughs> bite of that. Just check it. Kevin... And really? he you starts are. chewing it up. And, and he won't feel bad for a second. No, he's, and you're still, you will kind of wake up. Bear! Oh, oh I'll, I'll be back. I'm sorry, man. I'm That's sorry. where it become fucked up. Yeah, then it, yeah, then it's kind of... Cross the line go, there. Bear, come on, man. I don't you should know. should just finish it. Yeah, just, yeah. That would be weird, man. I hope that neither of us ever get eaten by bear. No. Can I sidetrack for a little story? Well, just quick, tiny. Do you think that you would eat a bear if it came down to that situation where the bear was stuck? No, what? I don't know. What situation would I find myself in where I have to, uh, I mean, if I'm starving to death and there's, I find a dead bear that was trapped under something, yeah, I'll eat it. But I don't think there's any other situation. Like, if I'll only, I, if I find something dead, the only way I would eat it is if I saw it die. Mm. Like, if I saw a deer got hit by a car, like, watch it, I would eat that deer. Uh, if I watched a deer, like, fall and die, I would eat it. Same I got with a, a bear. question for you, Ryan Cabali. Is there a gland on a deer that if you, like, down by the leg, and if you don't yeah. take care of it, it'll poison the entire meat? Not, no, it won't poison it. It'll just make it taste bad. I'm pretty sure it's called the tarsal gland. It'll and you can it. watch, yeah, you can watch bucks right now during the rut. They'll, it's right here on their back legs. So like, I'm pointing to the inside of my knee. Mm. They'll put their legs together, and they'll pee on their legs there. And it's, like, it's a scent gland for them. And during the rut, like, elk do it too. Elk piss all over themselves during the rut. Um, hmm. It's just kind of part being a deer, you know? Yeah. So if you cut that spot on accident... You just don't... So you don't... There's no meat below that. So you don't... Like, at the end, you just cut off from there down. Um, you do... So on a deer... You can, I'm trying to think if you cut it off above it or if you have to cut it off. But either way, you just don't want to get that. You don't want to put your knife on that and then put your knife on the meat. Yeah. And you're not, there's not like meat there. So you just need to be conscious that it's there and not touch that and then touch the meat. Like that's the only way it's going to get in there. So you're just going to get it out of there. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you can cut off above it. 
because I don't think, there's a tendon right here that's what you hang the meat by usually, and I'm pretty sure it doesn't cut the tendon if you just cut it off above it. But you can do everything on a deer, like you can butcher a deer completely and never cut that off, and just not deal with it, not touch it. No, you just, you cut the meat off the bone, and then you just throw the leg bone of the deer. Yeah. Dude, okay, tell me about... You said you wanted to sidetrack, but let me sidetrack first. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I gave you an opportunity. But yeah, it's not. It was just a story that I think is cool. Wait, did a guy get eaten by a bear? There's lots of stories I have like that, but that's not the story I was going to tell. Oh, dude. A lot of good stories about people getting eaten by bears in Glacier National Park. Oh, yeah, man. You're you're a rap guide, so you got to be wary of the stories, man. They might be fudged, yeah. as they should be. In some no, these, I know some of these stories to be true. How? I know the ranger that dealt with the one story that I'm thinking of in particular, and the rest came from you like full-grown adults. Stories, there yeah, there's tons. No, there's one in particular that really stands out to me that I thought was a good. But that dude, what were you gonna sidetrack me on? Well, what you were gonna sidetrack on was it? Did it have to do with? No, it was a story about a raven and a dude. It's about the movie 127 Hours, so I mean, a lot of people know it. And That's I, great. That's a great. Yeah. Great movie. If you haven't seen 127 hours, I haven't. So what? Yeah, I, I want to repeat story. a part of the movie. But that, you haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen oh, it. Oh, then you can't. Do I listen. No, I listened to a podcast with the guy that it actually happened to, and Christopher Ryan, who is like the the guy the movie's based on. I don't remember his uh, name. Okay. Christopher Ryan. No, Christopher Ryan was the host of the podcast that it was on. Yeah, is that? He's just, he's, he's on the Joe Rogan podcast before. He has a podcast called um, Tangentially Speaking. Tangentially? Yeah. What's I don't that know what that? it means. Who's Christopher Ryan? He's an he's a author of Sex and Dawn. Um, pretty interesting what? dude. He literally, he lives in a van and just travels around the U.S. now. But he has a podcast. Okay. It's okay. good. You okay. should listen to it. No, after you said lives in the van, travels to the U.S. And he's okay. old. He's cool. He's cool. He cool. does that and he's old. Alright. So he was talking about, you gotta watch the movie, man. I'm not interested, dude. You should? No. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. Because I just don't want to say, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'm not going to do it. You, well, you <laughs> no. listen to the podcast. Yeah, I know. Podcasts are way cooler than movies. You don't want to support the guy who... I don't think he's getting... Yeah, I don't think me illegally watching the movie on the internet for free is going to help him. It's probably not... I mean, That's how I'm going to watch it. It's probably oh, not gonna, on Netflix. Torrenting stuff. No, I mean, I just love Reddit, and I'm not going to buy a movie that came out 45 years ago. 45 <laughs> years ago. Dude, regardless. This is 28. You sidetracked me trying to get me sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that not what you're going to sidetrack on? I mean, no. You maybe, I, 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 at this point, I'm just going to tell the story. So, <laughs> okay, in the movie, uh, in, not in the movie, in real life. So, this guy's there for 227 hours. I think, I don't know how many days that is. But every morning that he was there, this raven would fly over... Um, him every day and like call and I think there was some interaction where the raven would land near him and he would call and on the last day before he got out the raven didn't fly over um, and he hiked out and he drank from this water like, so moral of the story is I don't know what blood planet cut off but if you're at all interested 
listen to the Christopher Iron podcast with them. I don't know the dude's name, but you can Google it. Yeah. The dude from 127 Hours. Yeah, check it out. That's a great movie, Ryan. You check <laughs> I'm it not out. going to. What? How are you going to... Did he say anything about the movie? Did he They didn't it? really talk about it much. Wow. Well, you should watch it. 127 Hours is a pretty good movie. It's a pretty crazy experience. Yeah, I would definitely say intense. What do you think about the ravens, man? Think about the I birds. think they're incredible birds. They're probably my favorite bird. Yeah. I always wanted one of them as, as a, a pet when I was a kid, but mm. I'd much rather just watch them. Like coming, dude, from Pens- I'm from Pennsylvania, and there's not many ravens at all. And I remember every single raven I've ever seen in Pennsylvania. Like that's they're what? very special to me. I think they're incredible birds, and I've only seen probably ten of them in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Whoa! So they're just not there ever. Well, no, they're just not places know. that you see. Yeah. So they're not, they, they live in the woods of Pennsylvania and like the deep woods of Pennsylvania. So where there's a lot of woods. Yeah. Um, and near me, I just live in, a, I live in a city. So, you know, yeah. not a city, but a town. Yeah. There's crows there. It's not ravens. Yeah. Ravens are, there's a lot of people who don't know the difference. Do you know the difference? Yeah. Dude, explain what the difference between a raven and a crow is. Okay. okay. I, can you? I, I believe so. Okay, so the easiest, there's a lot of differences, but definitively the easiest way to tell them is their tails. So a crow's tail is a straight line at the bottom of it. A raven's tail comes to a point at the bottom of it. So the sides are shorter than the very middle of it. Um, that's the easiest way to tell. The ravens obviously are bigger. They have, their calls are different too mm-hmm. and like they're hard if you don't know at all they're hard to tell apart but if you if i feel like if one time a person says that's a crow and that's a raven and shows you the sound you can tell them apart they're they're just a different pitch it's bigger too yeah it's bigger it's it's but a, beak, a small raven is much different. yeah a small raven and a large crow are pretty similar size mm-hmm. so size isn't a tail is definitive, beak is definitive, call is definitive. Mm-hmm. So those three things are really good to base it off of. When I was living in Portland, two of my, like, two biology professors were talking about how there were different tribes almost, like different clans of ravens on Mount yeah. Tabor and then over on another mountain a couple miles away. Yeah. And they were all, they would have the, like, battle. Oh. And they they were very territorial, and they could do certain calls, and they could call over all their home oh. ravens and be like attack, and they oh, just yeah. go get the other guys. Yeah. Like, bah, 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 bah. I had an experience with a raven one time at Columbia River Park in Tri Cities. I came up on this like, what do you call it when they're fletching? I've came up on. Have you ever come? A up young on? that's trying to learn how to fly. Yeah, I've seen owls when they're do that. fletching. They're on the ground and they can't really fly and. You're supposed to leave them, but I came up on one yeah. and was kind of messing with it, and there were so many ravens that surrounded me. They weren't crows, they were ravens. Oh, yeah. They were just all, like, bah, 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 all in the trees, like, back off. They were swooping down on me. Oh, yeah. Uh, this thing was, like, looking at me like, Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> Get off of me, you know, because yeah. you don't want to put your scent on them. But it was cute. Yeah. And they were all really not very stoked about me. Yeah, I want to be... Think about their perspective. They're like, "Fuck this dude." Yeah, yeah. They're just taking our, taking our daughter, or dog, or our raven. I don't think dog. <laughs> I think my no, baby. I meant dog. Like he's my dog. Oh, he's my only. He's my dog. <laughs> my dog. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they're yeah. incredible animals. My 
one of my favorite birds. Sophisticated animals. Very smart. For sure. Do you think that it would uh, trade, like, you really believe that it went down there and traded that guy's life? Or is that just a concept? I think, I think, uh, no, honestly, what I believe, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to really articulate what I believe. It's like trade is the I, No, I believe that, I believe that every living thing on earth is controlled by a singular thing that is greater than all of us. And I feel that this experience in this guy's life, which he articulated himself, was an incredible, life-changing, life-altering, defining experience for him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like an, an experience he had, he needed to have during that time for him to get the most out of the experience, for him to learn what he needed to learn. I feel like that raven was a, a, a symbol that was sent to him by the greater... The, the greater reality of, of what we all are. Yeah. That's what I, I really believe. Because I don't believe that the raven is consciously choosing to sacrifice itself because I don't believe ravens are conscious in that way. What I believe is that, you know, the thing that makes a raven alive is the same thing that makes you and me alive. But that a raven is functioning through a raven's body and a raven's brain. We're expressing ourselves through a human body and a human brain. So we're able to express ourselves better but that doesn't mean a raven is any less than we are um but i don't feel like it has the conscious choice to decide to sacrifice itself but i believe that it i'm sure it just died naturally but i'm I'm, (laughs) i believe i honestly believe that the you said you believe everything happens for a reason i I believe that it's a it's an it's there's something that is deciding what happens and that is creating what happens and i feel like that thing had that raven die to, to be a symbol to this man uh, to solidify his experience and okay. actually make it a meaningful life-changing and life-altering experience for yeah. him yeah. which he described it as that and he like the cool the thing i thought was really cool is like he didn't he didn't dwell on that point at all and he didn't he didn't if i remember correctly he didn't really articulate what he thought of it much other than just kind of saying it at a glance and what i took that as and he may even have hinted at it is like that was personal and like that was real to me and I experienced that and like I don't feel and this is me very much getting his head but it didn't seem like he felt a need to justify it or glorify it or even tell other people like it just seemed like it was so real to him and it was only brought up because Christopher Ryan asked about it like specifically so it wasn't like he just brought it up like he was kind of asked a question that led to it um and I I mean that's just what I believe but I truly do believe that yeah Cool, man. I, I also think that, like I said, everything happens for a reason, but I also think that animals and sometimes can be vessels for spirits. That's exactly mystical, what I'm saying. Mystical entities, yeah. if you will, or energy. I don't know what it is, but animals have this cool way of communicating with us humans yeah. in a similar way to where we communicate with nature and the outdoors like trees and mountains and just nature yeah rivers and streams the way that we communicate to our environment i think animals similarly connect with us and communicate with us as humans yeah they're part of our environment for sure well i what i'm what i'm trying to convey is that i think that they they look at us a dog or a cat 
they look at us and our eyes lock and our souls touch, you know, as yeah. if you're looking at a cat from across the room and it just pierces yeah. your eyes. It's like, I am in your soul. No, like you, re- I think what it is, is you're recognizing it's another living thing that is aware yeah. as you are aware. And if you, there's mm-hmm. something, you know, there, if you, they, like it's an experiment, look someone in the eyes for four minutes. And mm-hmm. I think when you look someone in the eyes, there's this really, and it's a person, it's the most, the most, you can feel it the most, I think. Yeah. You really recognize, like you, when you look at another person in the eyes, you you see yourself in a way. Like you see just this other being existing and living and dealing with struggle and it's yeah. such a connection. And then the same thing happens when you look at animals in the, the eyes. Like you realize something's looking back. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's like it's that's, an awareness. Thing. Yeah, it's it's awareness for yeah. sure. Yeah. And you're looking at mutual awareness. Yeah. Even when you look at that picture over there, what we're looking at a picture. Yeah. Look at these dogs right there. All of them, everything, all these pictures in this room that you can look at, you can kind of make eye contact with. Yeah. The beings in those pictures. Yeah. And whether it's something like that or an actual creature or a, a sculpture or a piece of art. Yeah. Something where you're realizing this awareness, and you have that mutual. Yeah. That eye contact, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we'll stare now. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, and you try to conceptualize it as like this is an appreciation for life. All again comes back to Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to Thanksgiving. <laughs> Cheers dude. to Thanksgiving. I'm so excited for this piece. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll wrap this up here shortly, but um. Ryan, tell me a little bit about after you graduated from high school, what was life like? Cause so, you wait, how old are you now? Twenty one. So you're pretty young, man. You yeah. just turned did coming you, up on twenty two. Did you go on your party? Did you? Did you my twenty first. I just girl it. No, I just want. I mean, my twenty first. I didn't do anything crazy. Craziest thing I got was a tattoo that's about an inch wide and an inch high. What is it? You got it's a, a sailboat. In. You got a sailboat. You got a sailboat on your ass? Nope. My thigh. Uh, I would would say let's see it, but it's way too cold. I'm wearing long underwear and long socks. Really? I got no underwear. Long johns? Dude, you're just skinny in it? No, I'm joking. Good for you, man. Pretty cozy. But there's an important detail of what you said that's not correct. I didn't ever graduate high school. What? Yeah. I haven't ever told you that. This is news to the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so, I mean, okay. that's really where my story starts. Well, bring us back, man. So, I was in my senior year of high school, and, and things Bethlehem. were going in Bethlehem at Freedom High School, and I was honestly, this was early in the year, I mean, I don't know how long, probably a month of the year, and I was having the best year I've had in high school. It was great, things were going great, um, and we had a football game on a Friday night, we won, and after the football game, we had a party in a field. And I brought my school backpack to the field with me. Field, the party ended up getting busted by the cops. I run and leave my backpack. Cops take my backpack, so I don't have my school backpack. I had taken all my school stuff out of it. I was just using my backpack for backpack things, you know? Um, and so I, on Monday, school comes around. And I take my other backpack, and I just throw all my school stuff in, the, in that backpack. Don't look at all what's in that backpack. Go to school. In class, I'm in math class, and I'm sitting next to one of my best friends, um, and I open up my backpack to get my calculator out, which I had just thrown in there again. And this backpack had stuff in. I didn't, I didn't know what. Um, and sitting in the under the calculator are these blow darts, and they're steel blow darts, and they're probably about 
13 inches long and they have like points like you know an inch and a half tall um and like they're pretty heavy duty looking and my friend sees them and goes like whoa and like makes a gesture towards them and my teacher comes over sees them takes them says talk to me after class I come up to him and this is a teacher that like he was a real hard ass and he was like he was a he was a younger man and he was really standoffish and cold but he was a really good guy you know and I had finally felt like we had like kind of like because we both had a lot of mutual interests and I feel like just you know prior to this I felt like we had finally made some kind of grounds and like some built some kind of relationship that was positive and I really liked him and I felt like he liked me and we kind of recognized that so when I came up to him I felt really betrayed and like hurt and so I didn't, like, hear at all what he said or listen to it. And I just kept saying, send me the office, send me the office, because I didn't want to talk to him. And I go to the office, and my vice principal, who I've never talked to in my life, like, I didn't get in trouble in high school at all. He's on the phone with the superintendent of our school district. And he goes, yeah, um, yeah, I'm looking at his whatever here, and he's never been in trouble with us before. And he goes, okay, yeah, I'll tell him. Hangs up on the phone, and he goes, yeah, so you're going to be expelled. And so just like that, I was done and I was expelled. And just that week, I had gotten accepted to Montana State University, which was the only college I applied to. And I decided the only college I would go to. And I, in my heart of hearts, there was nothing inside of me that wanted to go to school. I had no desire to go to school at all, but I was always like taught and it was ingrained in me that you either go to school or you work at McDonald's for the rest of your life and you're a failure. (laughs) Like I didn't see any other options. And you know, that's such a common story amongst people our age. And it's just the reality. Like it it wasn't talked about as there was any other options. And so in my head, it's like, I don't want to go to school, but what else am I supposed to do? And like, I kept thinking about that. Like, okay, don't go to school. What happens when you don't have to go to high school? Like, what do you do, man? Like I had no comprehension of what life was. Um, But I obviously couldn't go to Montana state after that. And that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because otherwise I wouldn't have made that decision. I would have went to Montana State. And right now I'd be in my senior year and I'd be about eighty to $90,000 in debt, which is absolutely uncomprehensible and so unrealistic and so unfathomable that we live in a country as that has as much possibilities as ours does and has as much money as ours does. And that's the reality. Like That is so dumb because... What happens when every person that's supposed to be spending money in our economy is a hundred thousand dollars in debt? Like, what do you what? Like, how do you expect? Where do you? Where's the money supposed to be coming from? And it's like so incomprehensible that that's a reality. But again, that's the reality that it is, and it's is what we were told and taught to do, and literally groomed to do our entire life. But can't go to college. And so my response was get my GED and go to the furthest place I could think of, which was New Zealand. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Peace out. Yeah, which I'm incredibly fortunate because I didn't have to buy that ticket. My dad was really into frequent flyer miles and still is, like, getting them. And so he would just have a ton of them, and he was able to pay for my ticket um, for me. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without him. But honestly, I think 
what it was was he didn't believe that I was actually going to do it. Yeah. So he kind of like <laughs> offered to thinking that yeah, no way like, in hell yeah, this right. dude. I literally at this point had not left Bethlehem, the town that I was grow, grew up in by myself ever. 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 Wow. I never left the town by myself ever. I'd only gone places with my family. Such a square bear, man. I was. Never out of your city one time. By myself oh, when I was 18. No. I didn't with friends. Like, yo. Outside there. of my city with my friends, but not like not driving distance and coming home that night. Like, it's I, not I, even, you could go like five miles up the road. I guess you got to go like 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 miles to be somewhere, but. I mean, I went, like, I, I by myself, I probably stayed within a 50-mile 50, 50 radius of my house my oh. entire life. Oh, dude. You, what? Yeah, I went a lot of places, but it was always with my family, which yeah. is a completely different experience, you it know? Because for me, I didn't, as a kid, like, I didn't have to interface with the world that I went yeah. into at all. My yeah. dad or mom would deal with all, like, the realities of traveling. So, like, yeah. I was just in the backseat, being like, oh, where are we going next? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. When are we gonna eat next? <laughs> yeah. Can I get my allowance yet? And in reality, I was pissed off and grumpy and incredibly bitter. Yeah, it <laughs> I sucks, didn't like man. It. it sucks that like in in those adolescent years, you have to be just pissed. Off. You don't have to be, but I I really believe it's how how the, how our parents were like. I feel like parenting has been messed up for a little while, and that's yeah. just been compounding. Yeah, I think that I don't think that's necessary. We're a product of our our society in the yeah. same way that you know we're a lot of the people are conditioned to stay in debt and just be in yeah. debt. Yeah, I mean it's hard to do reality. anything but the world. What the world sets it up for you to do, and it's like you're born like, dude. By the time you're two years old, you have a future predicted for you and like mm. this is what you're supposed to like this is what you're being groomed to do mm. i mean literally a baby boy and like how early do your parents start talking about like oh he's gonna be a baseball player yeah. <laughs> you know it's like or it those ideas good. start creeping in their head and starts affecting how they treat you yeah. you know and it's like yeah. it's hard to go against the grain i mean yeah. that's a very cliche statement for a reason because it's true and you know it and it's always true no matter what the standard is it's hard yeah. to deviate from it i agree man i have my friend who grew up in oregon his parents were just always like whatever you want to do you can do it yeah and even when he would get in trouble or whatever they're just coolest parents and uh this kid is that that turned out from from his parents. They they were just all love, you know. And this guy is just awesome. Yeah. Like all their kids. They have five kids. And they're just all these awesome kids because growing up they just said whatever you want to do, you can do it. Pretty yeah. much, and they just were always super lovey. It's a farm life, you know. Yeah. So that's pretty nice. Um, yeah. And I th I think that I learned a lot about you got to just kind of roll with it and we've had conversations with this over the past couple of days so you have to be thankful for the things the trials that you face like even when you got expelled from school that was probably like oh my life is crambling you know what do i do and you have that defeating feeling even if it's just for a day or two everyone gets those defeating feelings that like life is overwhelming i can't do this yeah. anymore and then years later you're like that didn't happen yeah this wouldn't 
be what it is, you know? Yeah. And all these mistakes, all these trials and tribulations that come our way, I think that it's so easy to look at them and not be thankful for them. Oh, yeah. And it's tough because there's so many things that come to us in our yeah. lives, but you got to be thankful for literally everything that you get a chance to uh, really experience. Yeah. The, human, the human experience is pretty neat. Yeah, it is. It's scary. It's, there's a lot going on. Yeah. But it's a pretty cool world out there. It is a really cool world. And to be honest, like I've, I totally agree with that. And I have a lot of times in my life that were very hard in the moment and terrible in the moment, but yet I'm thankful for in retrospect. Yeah. But I don't think getting expelled is an example of that. Like, <laughs> I kind of, honestly, yeah, like, yeah. when it happened... I felt very uneasy and like very anxious because it wasn't immediate that I went to New Zealand. Like there was a couple, there was, I don't know, maybe a week or two before I decided to do that. So there was a little bit of time. I felt very uneasy because I didn't know what happened, but I felt, you know, I, f I felt like I felt the anxiety and the, the terribleness of the experience, but underneath it, I recognized this like sense of peace mm -hmm. because I knew I wasn't going to school. Yeah. You know, I knew I didn't want to go to school. So I didn't know. Broken the mold. No, it's like I was. I, it was just like it. I knew I wasn't gonna make that decision for myself, and I was like very upset that that was gonna be my reality. And then this thing happens all of a sudden where I, I don't have to decide not to go yet. I'm not going, you know. And yeah. so it's like I was. I was thankful for it in the moment, but I mean, it was like it was obviously getting kicked out of high school, and then getting not being able to go to college because you got the college you wanted to is an experience that a lot of people would look at as negative. But I think just for me in that circumstance, I was so like, so against doing, going to college that it was a relief in a way. Yeah. 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 So when you went to New Zealand, what was life like? I mean, it was, it was absolutely incredible. So I really, I mean, it was absolutely eye-opening and mind-boggling. And I was very much a fly on the wall for the entire experience. Because, like, again, I, I had never interacted with people that didn't go to school with me or I worked with my entire life, like, on my own. Like, when I went places and traveled, I yeah. didn't interact with other people. I only interacted with my family. And so, like, I didn't really know how to interact, honestly. And, like, I had to learn, but I learned by, like, I, I met a kid in Juno, and I won't say his name here, but I'll tell you after if you want to know, but he would always, and I'm sure he'll know, but <laughs> he would always read books. And this girl said to me, well, I thought that he really just genuinely enjoyed reading, like, he would read books when he was hanging out with people. And I thought he really and genuinely enjoyed reading. Um, but this girl said, I bet he, like, I, he just, he has that book so he can pretend like he's doing something. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, like he's preoccupied and in this corner, so there's no attention to him, but he would have come, like he would interject in the conversation and like look away from the book, you know? And I always thought he just liked reading, which I just overlooked it. But for me, I used, um, my computer. Like I would just pretend to be on my computer in a way so I could listen to what's going on, but not feel like an awkwardness to interact, like to be a part of it, you know? Yeah. And like, that's how I learned to interact in a way because I went, so I, I started wolfing 
and I, which is working on a farm. So I was working on a farm and I didn't leave the farm and there's probably about 12 other people that were working there. So it was the same thing as like work or school. Like you had this people that you were like forced to be around mm-hmm. and you had things to talk about because you had things to accomplish together. But then in those social situations, that's when I would use my computer. I didn't always do that. And like definitely after the first few days, I opened up a lot more, but it was always a tactic that I would go back to. Um, and I've stayed on that farm for about a month and it was incredible just meeting all these people. And what it did was like, when I went there, I still thought like, I'm going to have to go home and go to school. Like this isn't, I knew immediately, like I had in my head this idealistic idea of just traveling forever, but I immediately knew when I left, like in the first day, I was like, this isn't sustainable. Like I remember when I landed, I had to get a hotel. I had to get food. I had to pay for a bus. And I'm like, Oh, I just spent $150 $150 when I came here with $200. Yeah. Like, I can't do this. Like, this is not going to work out. And so, like, I so quickly realized, like, my my idea of what I had is not the reality. So I went to the farm, and I, I didn't have to spend money there. They fed me and everything. And I, the people I met there opened my eyes up to the, the possibilities of what, it, what life was. Because all of these people were from different backgrounds, and none of them were working a nine to five job and they were all had lived lives. They were 25, 30 years old, 50 years old. They were all old and they had all had these different life experiences that were not revolved around college or normal jobs at all. And so it opened my eyes up to those possibilities. So woofing is basically where you can go like get an experience in another country, volunteer anywhere in the world on a farm and they'll let you stay there. Do they give you a room? They give you room. I slept in a gypsy wagon. I had like my own room. In it's a, a gypsy wagon. It's like literally a... like a wagon that a horse would pull. That's like it's wooden all around with a wooden door and just had a bed in it. Oh. And it's like on wagon wheels. Yeah. Gypsy wagon. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> it's in New Zealand. Yeah, and they fed you. Like I got three home cooked meals every day, and like I would cook dinner. And, like I, I, I. I shouldn't say I would cook dinner, like, I would follow instructions of people telling me what to do yeah. to help with dinner, and the thing, <laughs> I learned how to make guacamole when I was there, mm-hmm. and they would just always, because for some reason, he had unlimited avocados, Wow. like, literally unlimited, so it they would just have farmer, me, farmer, avocado farmer, no, he wasn't, I think, I don't, he would, he didn't grow them, but every time he would go to this farmer's market on Sunday to sell his goods, he would bring back so many avocados, mm. and I think what he did was take the avocados that they couldn't sell. Like, the ones that were all, like, just questionable that people didn't like yeah. for whatever reason. And so, you come back with these huge bundles and, like, have to use them. And so, like, they would, I learned how to make guacamole and I was pretty useless in the kitchen otherwise. And so, they would just have me make guacamole all the time. Right, make some guac. Yeah. But I was such, like, honestly, the I learned so much there. And I learned so much because there were so many things about my behavior that made me so uncomfortable around them. You know what I mean? Like, I remember one time I left this water bottle on the counter of mine and I saw it like a day later or two days later. I think I even saw, I saw it a day later and then I saw it two days later and it made me like cringe at myself to think that like I was so like irresponsible that I just left my stuff around and like expected someone else to take care of it. Yeah. What it was was a broken water bottle. Uh, so it wasn't just like mine. It was this broken water bottle that I was like done with and I just left it on the counter and there were so many little things like that that I noticed about myself. Looking that, back. No, no. In the moment moment like in the moment I would feel so uncomfortable and like you have to analyze like when you just 
you have to you have to ask yourself why do you feel that way and an example like that it's very obvious but there were so many like little so like just things that made me uncomfortable about my own behavior when when I was like if I'm at home that's just normal behavior like I leave something like my mom picks it up I don't even think about it again but when you're with strangers who don't act that way and don't behave that way your behavior is exaggerated to yourself so like all my little flaws that I just overlooked all the time were so obvious to me Mm. um which was really powerful and I didn't change them until retrospect like I was able to recognize them and recognize the uncomfortability yes yeah but it took yeah it took like it took when I left New Zealand and was able to like sit back and like reflect and process all those things that I was able to be like okay that's what I want to take from it like I recognize leaving this water bottle made me feel uncomfortable Mm. but I didn't understand what that represented you know like that represented just irresponsibility like that's what was bothering me about it I was so irresponsible for my own stuff and expected someone else to take care of it yeah yeah I hear you man yeah that I think those experiences happen to you just as you grow older as you travel, I think, though, when you're exposed to things that are different than your usual. Yeah, because you, know? you see other people's facial expressions, and I will come back to that, because the same thing with dogs, and looking at people in the eyes. Yeah. When you go to other parts of the world, you see different facial expressions from different types of people that you've never seen before. You hear them talk, you see their culture, you see their norms, yeah. their lives. It gives you some perspective for what kind of life you live and even travel in the u.s yeah going to different parts of the u.s kind of shows you oh they do it differently down here or oh, over here is much different than over there yeah and uh i've really i enjoy that aspect of my life i've designed my life yeah to make that kind of a a motif oh yeah. if you will just <laughs> a, a a part of our lives and yeah can just always be on the move yeah and we've got some foundations that we're making, but which was important you know, too. Yeah, you you gotta have a good mix, yeah. it's a good balance. Yeah, but. it's good to constantly have like to constantly be traveling, so you have that like it's like a re yeah. re a or so it's a yeah a refresher or so solidifying that yeah. uh, that idea and like that perspective that the world is so different and the possibility of what human life is is so different. It is. Destiny, who's an, an indescribable woman. Um, said one time, like, all I want to do... Destiny's an M for woman. Continue. <laughs> but uh, she, um, she said one time that all she wants to do in life is see all the different ways that people can live. Oh. And, like, I thought that was really, really cool and, like, a really cool idea. And, like, she, I remember she said it, and she said it around a campfire with... I believe you were there and Morgan, and just, yeah. it was her, just her... And multiple other dudes, and we were all drinking whiskey, smoking a re- weed around a campfire. Multiple and that's not her at all, yeah. but that's what she was doing. And I realized that she just she just let herself be whatever the people that she was around were being. Like, she was trying on a jacket. Yeah. She was just trying on, what's this life like? You know, what's it like being a rap guy, you like, know? Whoa. Yeah, and it's yeah. very, it was very cool to me. I really, you know, I thought that was something awesome. And it relates to travel. Honestly, that, that, when I was up in Alaska, I met some nomad people. Yeah, true. There's a guy named Henry Thoreen, awesome dude. And I love keeping in touch with these people and seeing what everyone's doing years later. Because they're just continuing and staying in their lane. And 
traveling. Going, man. locking down, you oh. know, going harder than ever, everyone I would say yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> Not uh, everyone, but the people that you pay attention, or still, can, I still communicate with, you know? Yeah, I mean, just, something, you know, you see people on Snapchat and Instagram, but a lot of that is kind of a mask to a lot of people's lives, but when you meet someone that you know is really, they're doing it. Some people, it's an undersell of their life. There's some people yeah, who oversell yeah. it. Some people are not doing their life some justice. Like you, yeah, not at all. <laughs> you, you're like, whoa, you're up here, and you're like, no, you don't understand. I was here, 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 yeah. here, here, here. In between. <laughs> this is just when I decided to post a picture. Yeah, man. That's, <laughs> those are the, my favorite people. And oh, I've yeah. met some of those people in Alaska. And I was like, oh. Why do you exist? And it was such a huge, yeah. Because a lot of times, I mean, like like for you, you grew up in one small city in Pennsylvania, and you never left the city. Yeah. Without your parents or your family there with you, so yeah. you were kind of sheltered. You were kind of a little bitch. I perspectively you, say, if you like, we might have fought and you might have won, but perspectively say, no, we wouldn't have fought, dude. But I would have won. Huh? No. Yeah, no. Out, no. What? What makes you think that you were it's bigger not, than me it's three not, years yeah, ago? Dude, I was a skater. I was a you were skater. Happy. Yeah, dude. So what? You're gonna throw your skateboard at me and then charge me and get double leg? I used to fuck some kids <laughs> up. With Congrats, dude. Everyone can fuck some kids up. <laughs> Shut up, dude. Shut up. High school is high school is fucking stupid. Actually, like the same kind of thing mm. that you had to deal with, I had to deal with little things. I mean, like getting stuck with mm, high school. High yeah, school. well, I think about it. I had some good. Times, I blocked but... it out of my head the second I left it. <laughs> Those kind of people—they're the ones that this dude stay in high school. Like, <laughs> I, the, I think my my least favorite person. Is a high school principal because it's like, dude, you've never been anywhere but school. He's like, what do you do with your life? You went to you went to college, and then after college, you thought it'd be a good idea to get into school again. I shouldn't say high school. I should say anyone that's as soon as they left college, they started working as a teacher and have never done anything since. It's like, dude, you think when you're spending ninety percent of your time with humans around only sixteen year olds, that's not going to affect your behavior? Like, you're going to act like a 16-year-old. I'm sorry. You're going to act like a 16-year-old. I had a teacher one time, dude, in high school, dude, slam her book down on the table and say, you know what? You get into teaching, think you're going to make a difference in kids' lives, and then realize you just can't do a damn thing. And it's like, what? (laughs) What? Yeah, dude, she just gave up. She gave up. And it's like... Dude, you're, thir- you're 40 years yeah. old. Like, you yeah, you, yeah, you, you can't, can't have those can't. kind of magic <laughs> breakdowns. You can't do that in your children. Yeah, but oh also you, you can't get so mad that, that 16-year-olds are acting like 16-year-olds. Yeah, and they got you to that point. Yeah. You can't handle yourself to where you flip. Yeah. One, time, one time in middle school, one of our teachers fainted because we were stressing her out so much. Yeah. And they had to come get her and pull her out of the... <laughs> the classroom. That's horrible. Like, Dude, who stands up and calls someone to deal with that? That's a true leader there. 
We got to solve somebody. <laughs> Someone's got to do something. Uh, Some kid's running Thank around. You. Another one takes advantage to punch his friend he ate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all chaos ensues. Yeah, we've made... Dude, one time this physics teacher... We would all... Okay, one time this physics class... Yeah. Do you ever play with tech decks in high school? No? I didn't. A lot of people did. Up here, they'd probably slap your hand with a meter stick or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was just out. <laughs> Out west, we used to make skate parks. There would be huge high school classrooms, and we'd make skate parks in the yeah. back with books and like ramps and rails and kickers. And I mean, this was just like the worst class. Like one time, I just <laughs> threw a cup of noodles. Uh, I shouldn't even continue this. One. We should have honestly should have a podcast just about high school stories because oh, I have so many true. high school teachers specifically, not high school stories, but high school stories revolving around high school and middle school you teachers. Start that. I w- I've got some. I could if, do like two. You brought me on for like one of your episodes. I could definitely give a solid two hours. <laughs> I know. Food fights. We had, we were bad oh, kids yeah. in my high school, which is what literally what high school is for. Again. You put eight 20-year-old raft guides in a house, (laughs) things are going to get broken. You put a thousand (laughs) horny 16-year-olds in a building together all day, every day. A bunch of 40-year-olds to kind of try to run. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of... I don't want to smack talk teachers because there's a lot of awesome ones. They're working hard, but there's a lot of teachers who definitely... Like, teachers should just... I feel like the whole... I don't even want to get into it. I don't want to blame it all on teachers, though. But yeah, there's some but fucked up just, teachers. It's a whole system that kind yeah. of provides. It it's sucks. Like same thing with cops. Same thing with like a yeah. lot of situations. Like I, that. there's a saying that there's ten percent of assholes in every group of people, and it's it. like I'm going to talk about those ten percent, but don't think that I'm talking about the other ninety percent too. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely yeah. some ten percent of teachers that suck. Yeah, yeah. but in, anyways, this uh, class we build this tech deck skate park in. We would just skate it every day. We would come back from lunch. We'd have food. We were just bad kids. And she quit her job after our class. Really? She'd been teaching for Good for her. That's better, years. though. And we were just... We were the, the straw that broke the camel. Oh, yeah. Back. She was like, I'm out. I can't do it. Good for her. <laughs> they, they won't listen to me. They don't want to learn. They don't care about what I'm teaching them. Oh, yeah. And we didn't, but... She hit a point. She's like, either I'm going to beat this shit out of this kid or I'm going to quit. <laughs> and then the principal was like, yeah, you can't, yeah, you just can't quit. hit him. She's like, all right, I'm gone. Sorry, Larry. Peace, yeah. Larry. Yeah, so tell me about when you were in New Zealand. <laughs> Bless you, dude. That, oh, my gosh. That hurt? Bless me again. Bless you. Do you need it? you need an extra blessing <laughs> today? that extra blessing. <laughs> We're coming up on Thanksgiving, man. We've got to be blessing each other. Bless your friends. Okay, so watch out for allergies. They're mucinex. Not real. They might be real. Tell me about (laughs) when when you were in New Zealand, your job that you had on this farm. Take me back there real quick, and then we'll wrap this thing up. But tell me a little bit about, like, what were your responsibilities from a high school dropout not drop out, well, kicked out. Oh, no, on. no, yeah, no. What you would qualify me? In America, you would qualify me as a a GED oh, holder, no, recipient. Come on. come on, man. They call you high school drop. It's own it, own it. I mean, I wish that I could say I had the balls to drop out, but I didn't. No, it wasn't your choice, but you. They kicked you out. They said bye. 
college dropout. I'm a high school. I'm Ryan Clawley, and I'm a high school dropout. <laughs> no, but anyways, you had a month to think about it. Then you went over to a. Did you have a one way ticket over there yep. to New Zealand? Yeah. And you ran out of money on day two. Day two, I didn't run out of money because I didn't have to spend money after that first night. Yeah. Um, but I've realized the first day that I wasn't going to be able to do what I thought I was going to do. Yeah, yeah, because you had to, yeah, reality hit you pretty quick. Yeah, life's expensive, yeah. especially New Zealand, dude. Fucking yeah. cigarettes are like 40 bucks. And when you're oh, like, dude, what? yeah. 40 bucks? A pack, for yeah. Cigarettes? Which at the time bucks? I didn't smoke, but all the cool kids in New Zealand hand-rolled cigarettes, so, you know, you gotta play your part. Yeah, well, uh, okay. So, when you were on the farm, man. man, what kind of responsibilities did you so, have besides cooking or making guacamole, rather? Yeah, so the website, you would, like, create a little bit of a profile. So, I created a profile of, like, I was into the outdoors, I've been a hunter and stuff like that, so there's this kind of, that was the kind of idea of the type of person I was in, um, that I was, and, like, what I said, what I said my skills that I could give were, were hunting and trapping and animal processing based. Right. And so he uh, like said that I could come be a trapper when I came there essentially, and I had no idea what that meant. Like it was literally like, oh, you could just trap and do some other stuff. And so what my job was is, and he just what he did was he walked me over to his shed, showed me a trap, um, showed me how to set it, and like walked up, you know, forty yards up the hill. I was like, yeah, this looks like a good spot. Showed me how to set it, and was like, all right, you good? And I was like, yeah. And they gave me this bag of probably 25, probably, probably, yeah, probably about 25 to 30 traps. Um, and That's just, a lot of traps. yeah, just let me set them up. So I set two trap lines up. Like I sent this walking path that I would do. Um, and I set traps on it and I did that in like one area over here in the farm and did it on another farm. And I wrote down where I wrote them on my notebook. And then I, every morning I would wake up and Brethix was done on our own. Like, so it was completely up to you what you wanted to eat. There's just food available. Yeah. Um, and you, it wasn't like, there was no fixed rules. Like, you really could do whatever you want. But it was expected that by daylight you were going to be working. Yeah. So, like, you wake up before daylight. I would come to the, come to, like, the main house, which was, like, a five-minute walk. I would eat my food, which would be homemade bread and jelly every morning. That's what I did. Um, and there would be a list on the table of like tasks tasks to be done Mm -hmm. um and i would go check my trap line every morning and i would walk my trap line on both sides and when i was trapping possums and i was trapping them for their fur um and they're not like our possums they're marsupials and they're completely hairy all along they have really they kind of look like monkeys Mm -hmm. that they look like monkeys with a with like a raccoon nose that's all black. It's like they kind of, they have like cute eyes and they have big ears and they're super fluffy. Um, but they have claws and they have teeth. Um, and what I was using was they're, they're, they look cute, but they look cute until they're trying to eat you. And they look really ferocious. They eat people. I mean, they definitely don't like when they're in a trap. 
so they're not oh. very kind to you. Okay. Um, and I didn't, like, this, again, like, there was no, like, this is day one I show up, and he just hands me traps, and, like, this is what you're doing. And so there was no part of me that had any questioning of it. Like, I was right. just going to do what he told me to do. And first day comes around, like, that I'm checking the traps, and I literally, I set a combo of, like, flour, curry powder, and, a, like, turmeric, no, not turmeric, some other powder, like, chili powder, or something like that, like, literally, that's what I would sit on these traps, and they were foot traps, so you, the possum would put its foot in it, the trap would go off, it would clamp on their foot, and they couldn't get out, but these um, foot traps were attached to a 12-inch chain that you would nail into the ground or into oh, a tree. Yeah. And so the possum would only get one foot caught. And so it could move, and it could move in a 360 <laughs> degrees um, with 12 inches of chain. And you would set, I set the traps a lot of times, like in bushes or near trees, like a like little, little bit of shrubbery going on because that's where the possums were. Yeah. And so it's like, I remember actually the first day he walked to the first trap with me to just check it. Or maybe even I, no, he didn't. He definitely didn't. I think I, no. So what happened was first day I go check the traps and there's a possum in the trap. And I'm like, I, I, for some reason, didn't think about what I would do when I get to this point. <laughs> so, like, I go back and go to the farm, and the guy's name's John, and, and like, so he's like working. in the morning, yeah. Yeah, he's working. He's, it's, yeah, he's working. And so, like, I go up to him, and I was like, I pretended like I hadn't gone check the traps yet, and I was like, what do you do, like, when you get a possum? He, like, he looked around, he's like, you just get a stick like that, and hit it. And, like, went back to work, like, said it so nonchalantly and, like, so not thinking <laughs> about it. stick like that and yeah, hit it. Yeah, and so, um, again, not going to question it. And then, especially on nonchalantly, you said it. So I'm like, all right. And I've never, I'd never trapped before this. <laughs> I had, I had shot, like, a couple uh, geese yeah, and yeah. Two, three deer, no, two deer. Yeah. So, that's, I got, and a turkey. Like, I hadn't shot much at this point. And go back to the possum, find a stick. And for some reason, I never acquired a singular stick that I would use. I would literally, every possum I found, I would just look around because, like, for some reason, that was, like, a part of the you. process of it. Oh, find a no. stick for you it. never just got grab a hatchet it. or anything. No, I wouldn't use a hatchet. But if I, there were some sticks that were much better than others, so I should have just found one good stick and used yeah, it. Yeah. But anyway, I would find a stick and somehow have to corral this possum and hit it over the head and the reality was i was scared of those motherfucking <laughs> possums when they were on the chain so a lot of the time i wasn't grabbed because when you would grab them they would stop trying to run away from you and they would turn to you and try to come at you. Oh, so it's like, like, you want to die? Yeah, so it's like you grab them on their back and their head starts turning towards your hand and you have to hit their head. So it's like you try that one time and hit your hand and a possum grabs your glove and you <laughs> yeah. feel its claws and you're like, yeah, I'm not doing that yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the time it was, it was brutal. Yeah. 
It wasn't. It was brutal. It was brutal. Killing these things. And like sometime it took a lot of like (laughs) rim hits to slow them down. And it's bad to laugh about, but it's just the reality. Like there was a there was a few times that you had to slow them down with a few initial blows before you could like actually hit them in the back of the head and and kill it. That is brutal. That sounds you're just killing these pops. Yeah. Then monkeys, which are basically no, they're they're just they're marsupials, but they're invasive, and that's not justified like it's absolutely brutal but it's like the reality is this thing's either gonna die by beating by stick or die by hawk mm. or pig mm. or some other fox like these things get eaten and it's yeah. like this is probably no better but it's probably no worse <laughs> and it's like i'm sorry dude i didn't i didn't think i signed up for this but no, but it, it like i don't life's brutal again like yeah, going back brutal, to it, it's man. brutal and it's yeah. like that makes you grow up so how many of those did you have to kill before you were like, I'm going back uh, to America? Well, that never, that was never the breaking point. <laughs> Again, realizing that like, this is very limited yeah, is, was the breaking point as far life. as sustainability. But like, I mean, I was, I was at that farm for a full month and I checked 25 traps oh. every single day oh, and I, the, the traps were pretty good at what they did. So yeah, I mean, 25 possums a day. No, never. I never got every trap, but I never went a day where I didn't get multiple possums. Oh no. See, so at least two or three a day. Wow. It's a lot of possums that you had to. So you would like commit your whole, that's your day of work. No, that was just my morning and I would always oh, take a nap. more to that. So <laughs> I, yeah, I would always take a nap between like my checking my first trap line and my second trap line because the walk between the two there's this one like really tall mound that was just really nice on top and New Zealand like at the time of year was really sunny and nice and breezy like perfect weather and so I would just go up on top of that hill lay my backpack down and take a nap every day and then check the second half of the trap line then I would come down for lunch at noon have lunch and then after lunch I would start doing tasks that were on that list. So my morning was just my trapping every day. And then my afternoon was different every single day from building a like horse track, like for a horse, like with a wagon behind it to go around the farm, um, to building fences, to butchering alpacas and everything in between. There's a lot that you did on that farm. Yeah. I mean, it was completely self-sustaining organic farm that had, you know, close to 200 acres of, and uh, over 100 animals. Wow. Well over 100 animals. I mean, everything farm. you can think of, donkeys, horses, goats, sheep. Um, there was there was a 100-acre pen, and it had cows, horses, I said alpacas, and it had everything. Wow. Wow. Good times, man. So all those experiences came from you basically, when you got expelled... Okay, you tell me you're not a dropout, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> when you got an expelled, you're an expolite. You expolite, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, take that. When you got expelled, that couldn't have looked like a blessing back then, but had that not happened, life your life be would be completely different, man. Mm-hmm. You might not have had that experience, which probably, you said there were some defining moments think there's a lot of things oh yeah i mean it shaped my whole life for sure yeah there's a lot of things that seem like a curse but they turn out to be a blessing so absolutely going into this week with the thanksgiving holiday thanks remember how important it is to wake up every morning and be like oh yeah 
Another day. Another, Me too, man. Another another part of the the list of tasks yeah. that you got to complete, and you just kind of work through that that checklist, you know, yeah. that to do list. Yeah. Well, this has been fun, man. Yeah, it has. What do you think about your first podcast, dude? I think you know I've really wanted to do a podcast for a long time, and this has done nothing but to make it definitive that I'm eventually going to do it, you know? You should. It's been a good time, man. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Relatively easy. They're just good conversations. Yeah, they're fun, man. We should end it. I think uh, we were talking about Destiny earlier, which was a friend of ours named Destiny. Great woman. Oh, she's such a cool human. Yeah. Such a cool individual. So unique. So unique. Yeah. It was Destiny that we met her, and it's... Destiny is important, and you got to be... <laughs> You gotta yeah. be thankful for what happens. Man. I think everything is destined to happen a uh, certain way, and everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she has the right name for it. Destiny was just a really cool. Would you consider her a hippie? No, she's destiny. She's just destiny. She's just destiny. Free spirit. Yeah. Yeah, she's a free spirit. Hope you'll get to meet her. I'm sure I'm some sure of you will. Yeah, dude. Honestly. Man. Little story to describe Destiny. She's met so many humans. Dude, met so many humans. This is just the type. Ah, uh, no, I'm not going to do it because it's not representative. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Destiny is just a cool, cool yeah. human that I'm sure some people will know someone. We got some mutual friends on Facebook. <laughs> he's yeah. ever on Facebook. Dude, she's in like Arizona now, man. Well, that would, yeah. Been good, dude. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming along, man. Thanks for driving all the way to Connecticut. Hey, dude, you gotta do what you gotta do to see your friends. Yeah. And you've always, like, honestly, you've always made it a point to stay in contact with me, and like, I really appreciate that. And like, you know, I want to, I want to reciprocate that too. You know, so it was no yeah. question for me. And like, again, destiny, man. Like, it's not like it was just a coincidence that we're four hours apart when yeah. you live in Charlotte and I live in Crested Butte. You know. Yeah, man, dapping me up. I love to uh, I love to keep in touch with the people that matter to me, and I think it's very important. It comes back to the thankfulness thing. You yeah. know, you got to be thankful for the people you got in your life. Yeah. Because people can be gone. And Anytime. you got to be glad that you've got the people that you've got. Oh, yeah. Gosh, it's such a great holiday week. And this kind of goes to, like, it's one thing to say you're thankful, but to take the action of treating your friends like you're thankful for them is a different thing. Yeah, and it's important it to do both. Yeah. And it's more important to do the second than it is to glorify yourself for saying you're thankful. Yeah. <laughs> like Actions speak louder than words. Way louder. And way they're way more louder, meaningful. Yeah. Words are powerful. And like, watch your words, but... Watch your words. Watch your words. Don't forget it. Drunk words are sober thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes you're just drunk. <laughs> sometimes you're just drunk. Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah. That'll do it. But yeah, man, it's been, been good. fun. Any, uh, where can these people find you and keep up with you? The only thing that I use semi-regularly is Instagram. Oh, dude, which you're is on the gram. Ryan Kabali. So and eventually crazy. I'll have a podcast. Oh, dude. So, so when I eventually in the future have a podcast, I sure hope you listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the podcast, man. This is surprisingly easy to do. Yeah, but, it's um, good, dude. It yeah. took us a while to even get to uh, yeah what we wanted to. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I'm glad we did. So, right before we close off, earlier we were talking about uh, people who don't post much. They don't do their life justice. And the vice versa. People who overcompensate and post all the time, yeah. but they don't really do it. Yeah. 
Which would you say you are? Oh, I definitely would say I underpost. Oh, he says he underposts, ladies and gentlemen. I like to. <laughs> I like to. It's the most e- egotistical thing I do, yeah. but I get a kick out of looking at other people's Instagram pictures and being like, hey, I've been there. Mm. <laughs> and being like, Tell bitch, you won't see it on my Instagram. <laughs> like, you didn't see what I saw there. Yeah. Mm. No, yeah. I didn't take that cruise ship. All right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in. Until next thank time you. on the Marvel Monologues. Thank you for tuning in to episode two of the Marvel Monologues. This has been fun. Ryan Cavalli is a cool dude with cool experiences, and I feel like I learn with every guest and every conversation that I have with them. I hope that you have enjoyed it just as much as I did. I definitely recommend keeping in touch with Ryan Cabali. Try to get a drink with him or something if you're ever in the same area. Same with our last podcast guest. You know, everyone that I bring on is pretty open and receptive to people who reach out. All right. If you've got any suggestions, feedback, questions, comments, concerns, anything of that nature, don't hesitate to reach out. Love to hear from you. This has been a lovely podcast right as we go into Thanksgiving week. I hope you all are thankful and enjoy what weather you get. All right, until next time. See ya. Peace.